Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living a Course in Miracles. This is the ninth topic in the lessons episodes, death. It's interesting talking about death right now after a pandemic has been declared by the World Health Organization. It does not matter where you live on this planet. You are not unaware of this issue. It's important that we all stay safe and aware of what is going on around us. Interesting enough, I have a bit of a cough and that's not from a cold. That's from allergies. I think like most of the places on this planet, spring is springing. So allergies are becoming an issue. So if I cough a little, don't worry. I'm not, I don't think I have. I have no other symptoms and I haven't been around anybody who has um, COVID-19, but um, just that this is likely just allergies. The other interesting coincidence is that I am recording and uploading this episode on March 15th, the Ides of March, the notorious date in history for the assassination of Julius Caesar. This assassination occurred uh, through a conspiracy of several of his Roman senators, most notably Marcus Brutus. Caesar was stabbed to death during a meeting of the Senate, which took place in the theater of Pompeii on the Ides of March. The date was actually March 15th. 44 BC. Caesar's closest friend and companion, Brutus, chose the love of country over their friendship. Death has a bad reputation. Death is defined as the action or fact of dying or being killed, the end of the life of a person or organism. It means an ending to some. It is feared because it represents the unknown. A Course in Miracles consistently refers to it as a human interpretation of this world. We see ourselves as being born, living a life, then dying. We treat it as a transition from one phase to another. It is many people's greatest fear. In the workbook for students, so there's two areas I'm going to cover. When I look through the entire text I was trying to find, there's lots of information and reference to death in the text, but I thought I'd stick to two in particular, and that is the workbook for students, lesson 163, and the manual for teachers. And it's a section called, What is Death? So we'll go to the workbook for students first. It's in that section on page 309 and 310. And the subheading says, There is no death. The Son of God is free. Paragraph 1 says, Death is a thought that takes on many forms, often unrecognized. It may appear as sadness, fear, anxiety, or doubt, as anger, faithlessness, and lack of trust. Concern for bodies, envy, and all forms in which the wish to be as you are may not come to tempt you. All such thoughts are but reflections of the worshipping of death as Savior and as the giver of release. Paragraph 3 says, All things but death are seen to be unsure, too quickly lost, however, hard to gain, uncertain in their outcome, apt to fail the hopes they once engendered, and to leave the state of dust and ashes in their wake in place of aspiration and of dreams. But death is counted on, for it will come with certain footsteps when the time has come for its arrival. It will never fail to take all life as hostage to itself. Paragraph says 4 says, Would you bow down to idols such as this? Here is the strength and might of God himself perceived within an idol made of dust. Here is the opposite of God proclaimed as Lord of all creation, stronger than God's will for life, the endlessness of love and heaven's perfect, changeless constancy. Here is the will of the Father and of the Son defeated finally and laid to rest beneath the headstone death has placed upon the body of the Holy Son of God. 
Paragraph 6 says, It is impossible to worship death in any form and still select a few you would not cherish and would yet avoid. While still, next page 310, believing in the rest. For death is total. Either all things die or else they live and cannot die. No compromise is possible, for here again we see an obvious position, which we must accept will sorry, which we must accept it will be will we be sane. What contradicts one thought entirely cannot be true unless its opposite is proven false. Paragraph seven says the idea of death of God is so preposterous that even the insane have difficulty believing it. For it implies that God was once alive and somehow perished, killed apparently by those who did not want him to survive. Their stronger will could triumph over his, and so eternal life gave way to death, and with the father died the son as well. <clears throat> Paragraph 8 says, Death worshippers may be afraid, and yet can thoughts like these be fearful? If they saw that it is only this which they believe, they would be instantly released, and you will show them this today. There is no death, and we denounce it now in every form, for their salvation and our own for their salvation and our own as well. God made not death. Whatever form it takes must therefore be illusion. This is the stand we take today, and it is given us to look past death and see the life beyond. And in paragraph nine there's a little prayer it says, Our Father, bless our eyes today. We are your messengers, and we look upon the glorious reflection of your love, which shines in everything. We live and move in you alone. We are not separate from your eternal life. There is no death, for death is not your will. And we abide where you have placed us, in the life we share with you and with all living things, to be like you and part of you forever. We accept your thoughts as ours, and our will is one with yours eternally. Amen. The next part I'm going to read from the book is in the Manual for Teachers, and it's on page 66 in that section, and it's number 727, and it says, What is death? Paragraph 1. Death is, death is the central dream from which all illusions stem. It is not Is it not madness to think of life as being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end? We have asked this question before, but now we need to consider it more carefully. It is the one fixed, unchangeable belief of the world that all living things in it are born only to die. This is regarded as the way of nature, not to be raised to question, but to be accepted as the natural law of life. The cynical, the changing and unsure, the undependable and the unsteady, waxing and waning in a certain way upon a certain path, all this is taken as the will of God, and no one asks if a benign creator could will this. Paragraph 2. In this perception of the universe as God created it, it would be impossible to think of him as loving, for who has decreed that all living things pass away, ending in dust and disappointment and despair, can but be feared. He holds your little life in his hands, but by a thread, ready to break it off without regret or care, perhaps today. Or if he waits, yet is the ending certain. Who loves such a God who knows not of love, because he has denied that life is real? Death has become life's symbol. 
His world is now a battleground where contradictions reigns, reigns and opposites make endless war. Where there is death, is peace possible? Paragraph 3 says, Death is the symbol of the fear of God. His love is blotted out in the idea, which holds it from awareness like a shield held up to obscure the sun. The grimness of the symbol is enough to show it cannot coexist with God. It holds an image of the Son of God in which he is laid to rest in devastation's arms, where worms wait to greet him and to last a little while by his destruction. Paragraph 4, sentence 2 says, If death is real for anything, there is no life. Death denies life. But if there is reality in life, death is denied. No compromise in this is possible. There is either a God of fear or one of love. Paragraph 5, sentence 1 says, The reality of death is firmly rooted in the belief that God's Son is a body. And if God created bodies, death would indeed be real, but God would not be loving. Paragraph 6 says, And the last to be overcome will be death. Of course, without the idea of death, there is no world. All dreams will end with this one. This is salvation's final goal and the end of all illusions. And in death are all illusions born. What can be born of death and still have life? And what is born of God and still can die? The inconsistencies, the compromise, and the rituals the world fosters in its vain attempts to cling to death and yet to think love real are mindless magic, ineffectual, and meaningless. God is, and in him all created things must be eternal. Do you not see that otherwise he has an opposite and fear would be as real as love? The text is clear to sway us from focusing on our bodies and forms as a confirmation of life. It repeatedly tells us that bodies are not who we are, that the forms we take in this world are just the resting places for our spirits. We live eternally, not in time, and certainly not just of this world. Death is of this world. Our bodies will pass, but we do not. We focus on loss and grief because we are focused on bodies. We grieve the loss of the body of the person we loved, Yet in an instant, we could remove that pain and misery by accepting what we truly are, spirit. The crucifixion and the resurrection are the perfect example of that error. We focus on the death of Christ. We put crosses around our necks to remind us of the pain and misery that man inflicted on the Son of God. We relive his death every spring at Easter to remind it that we betrayed him. Yet the one and only lesson he wanted us to learn was that life was eternal. That no matter what happened in this world, we all will be resurrected to eternal life, where we have always been. The resurrection was the lesson and the way. It still is. So tomorrow, start your day with a declaration of what you want it to look like. Pay attention to your thoughts. They are under your control. The Holy Spirit is here to help. Let her do what she's meant to do. Ask the questions. Ask for assistance and ask for her help. Continue finding the holy instant. Each day you find it, you will live in it longer. Listen to your breaths. Then listen and start listening to the sounds around you. This will help you focus your mind on what you're seeing right now in the now. Help control your thoughts and keep them focused on what is happening right now. As you continue to evaluate your attachments and special relationships, ask yourself, what is it for? What is its purpose in your life's journey? 
Every human being is on a life's journey. It's our faith in believing this and accepting it as our truth, which shifts our perception and releases us from attachment. Forgiveness starts by letting go of the past. When you review your thoughts, write them down and focus on what the main themes are. Whenever that, whatever that theme is, ask yourself one question in relation to it. What is it for? If you can't find an answer, then it must not be as important as you imagine. Remember, misery loves company. Don't share negative thoughts. Focus on what's good and find the positive in your day. For those people who are worrying about what is coming, that is equally distracting of the now. This is a dangerous, this is as dangerous as living in the past. There's no peace and joy found in any of those thoughts. Fear does not exist. It is only real to you. You created it and you can undo it. Love is the opposite of fear. If you fear something or someone, then it stems from a lack of love. The Course suggests that the only correction for fear is love. It asks that you do not look at the root of the fear or try to evaluate why it exists. Delving further into fear is just reinforcing its existence and power. Judgment is a choice. You can choose simply not to do it. There is no good or bad judgment. Both have equal inequities and drawbacks. The answer is not to judge, but rather accept things as they are. Not good, not bad. It is what it is. The burden has been lifted and the freedom to enjoy your brothers and sisters has been given to you by you. Embrace the gift. Death is also a choice. Believe in its finality and you believe that you are disposable. Believe it's an ending and you believe you have no purpose. Believe in its illusion and you will always be afraid and feel misery. Choose life eternal and choose to embrace a path of love and joy. Choose life eternal and choose to never accept that anything is final. This is a short episode, <laughs> as you can see. I want to end by quoting a movie that deals with death and dying. Interestingly, it's a set as a ch it's set up as a children's movie, and it's called Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. I love this movie. Dustin Hoffman, who plays an interesting character who claims that he is 243 years old in this movie, before he leaves, dies, because we're kind of trying to decide what exactly he's doing, He's dealing with a distraught friend, a woman by the name of Molly Mahoney, who doesn't want him to leave. And he says this to her, and I'm going to read this to you because I find that this is one of my favorite uh, parts in the movie and my favorite quotes. So I'm going to quote this from the movie. It says, when King Lear dies in Act 5, do you know what Shakespeare has written? He's written, he dies. That's all. Nothing more. No fanfare, no metaphor, no brilliant final words. The culmination of the most influential work of dramatic literature is He Dies. It takes Shakespeare, a genius, to come up with He Dies. And yet every time I read those two words, I find myself overwhelmed with dysphoria. And I know it's only natural to be sad, but not because of the words He Dies, but because of the life we saw prior to those words. I've lived all five of my acts, Mahoney, and I am not asking you to be happy that I must go. I'm only asking that you turn the page, continue reading, and let the next story begin. And if anyone asks what became of me, you relate my life in all its wonder and end it with a simple and modest, he died. Next week, I will talk about how 
is healing accomplished. Our minds can heal our bodies, but our bodies cannot heal our minds. Who is really in control? Healing is within our ability. So until next week, this is our journey. Let's keep finding our way. Have a safe and peace-filled and healthy week. Always love, Denise.